to Tragic Reader, where I don't read tragedies, but I read tragically. It is time for some recap magic. So exciting. Okay, so firstly, welcome back. And yeah, I can't say like welcome back on a certain day because honestly, I'm at this point, I don't really know when I'm posting things. So there's that. But yeah, um, what did we learn? What did we learn in chapter five? <sighs> we learned that food is quite free on Mars, like in the public, which is, I mean, come on. That's amazing. Like, the more I read, the more I'm like, I just, I really want to go to Mars. Like, this just seems like the place to be, you know? So, also, what's her name? The princess, Haru, lady, girl. Had a, I, I feel, so I'm not really sh- entirely sure what happened. So, I know they had, like, that ceremony and all of the stuff. And there was, like, usually the water is clear. And then it wasn't clear. And it turned, like, red and she was in a trance and nobody helped her and Gulliver was extremely upset that nobody helped her he was like not one of her comrades or whatever he said so then he rescues her quote I'm making quotes with my fingers he rescues her and takes her to her room or wherever he did I don't know he took her somewhere and then he's just like standing there watching people leave and that was pretty much I guess the whole foreshadowing chapter like even though he said, I think in the first chapter, that he like fought wars in the name of love, which at this point I'm assuming that it has to be Heru because he also said in chapter five that he never saw Anne again, <sighs> which upsets me because I was really shipping those two, kind of. Mm. So yeah, so that was my recap of the stuff. Um, yeah, so like the whole of Mars came to watch their this lady flip out which is kind of weird because I was I don't know why I was under the assumption like the chapter where she was like on the boat with the king person I it seemed like she had just arrived so then I'm just like super confused like I thought they were married or something I don't know I'm confused so yeah oh Yoshi oh yeah also the javelin thing happened where he like stabbed home dude the magic guy who was like you can't hit me and he hit him or he did I think he hit him I don't think he killed him but I'm pretty sure he hit him if I'm remembering it properly because once again I don't really prep I just kind of do the stuff yeah so recap and now it's time for chapter six Beyond the first flutter of surprise, the Martians had shown no interest in the abrupt termination of the year's divination. They melted away a trifle more silently, perhaps, than usual, when I shattered the magic globe, but with their invariable indifference and having handed me the reviving Heru over to some women who... (sighs) So it seems like this is... Oh my gosh! This is honestly like the third time I've started this over. I guess it's just going to be a struggle recording and I'm tired of starting over. So, even though I'm about to start over. Ooh, okay. 
Beyond the first flutter of surprise, the Martians had shown no interest in the abrupt termination of the year's divinations. They melted away, a trifle more silently perhaps than usual, when I shattered the magic globe, but with their invariable indifference and having handed me the reviving Heru over to some women who led her away, apparently already half forgetful of the things that had just happened, I was left alone on the palace steps, not even on beside me. And I thought he said that that was the last time he saw her, the last time. But now he's saying that she beside, okay. And only the shadow of a passerby now and then to break the solitude. Whereon a great loneliness took hold upon me, and pacing to and fro along the ancient terrace, with bent head and folded arms, I bewailed my fate. To and fro I walked, heedless and melancholy, thinking of the old world, that was so far and this near world so distant from me in everything making life worth living. Thinking as I strode gloomily here and there, how gladly I would exchange these poor puppets and the mockery of a town they dwelt in, for a sight of my comrades and a corner in the poorest wine shop saloon in New York or Frisco, idly speculating why and how I came here, as I sauntered down amongst the glistening shell-like fragments of the shattered globe, and finding no answer, how could I? It was too fair, I thought, standing there in the open. There was a fatal sweetness in the air, a deadly sufficiency in the beauty of everything around falling on the lax senses like some sleepy draught of pleasure. Not a leaf stirred. The wide purple roof of the sky was unbroken by the healthy promise of a cloud from rim to rim. The splendid country, teeming with its springtime richness, lay in rank perfection everywhere, and just as rank and sleek and passionless were those who owned it. <clears throat> I like he. I just want to be like, go home then. If you don't like the Martians that much, their rank, go home, because literally nobody, nobody needs you to be here. Okay, you can leave. Why, I, why even I, who yesterday was strong, began to come under the spell of it? But yesterday the spirit of the old world was still strong within me. Yet how much things were now changing. The well-strung muscles loosening, the heart beating a slower measure, the busy mind drowsing off to listlessness. Was I too destined to become like these? Was the red stuff in my veins to be watered down to pallid Martian sap? Was ambition and hope to desert me, and idleness itself become laborious while life ran to seed in gilded uselessness? Little did I guess how unnecessary my fears were, or of the incredible fairy tale of adventure into which fate was going to plunge me. Still engrossed the next morning by these thoughts, I decided I would go to Half. Half was a man, at least they said so. <laughs> he might sympathize even though he could not help and so dressing finished i went down towards the innermost palace whence for an hour or two i had come had wow <clears throat> i went down towards the innermost palace whence for an hour or two had come sounds of unwanted bustle hmm. asking for the way occasionally from sleepy folk lolling about the corridors waiting as it seemed for their breakfast to come to them, and embarrassed by the new daylight, I wandered to and fro in the labyrinth of that stony ant heap until I chanced upon a curtained doorway, which admitted to a long chamber, 
high-roofed, ample in proportions with colonnades on either side, separated from the main aisle by rows of flowery figures and emblematic scrollworking, meaning I knew not what. Above those pillars ran a gallery with many windows looking out over the ruined city, while at the further end of the chamber stood three broad steps leading to a dais. As I entered, the whole place was full of bustling girls, their yellow garments like a bed of flowers in the sunlight trickling through the casements, and all intent on the spreading of a feast on long tables ranged up and down the hall. The morning light streamed in on the white cloths. It glittered on the glass and the gold they were putting on the trestles, and gave resplendent depths of color to the ribbon bands round the pillars. All were so busy, no one noticed me standing in the twilight by the door. But presently, laying a hand on a worker's shoulder, I asked who they banqueted for, and why such unwanted preparation. It's the marriage feast tonight, stranger, and a marvel you did not know it. You too are to be wed. Wait, pause. What? <sighs> I really just... Mm. Okay, I had not heard of it, damsel. A paternal forethought of your government, I suppose. Have you any idea who the lady is? I would not be that gone. How should I know, she answered laughingly. That is the secret of the urn. Meanwhile, we have set you a place at the table here near Princess Haru, and tonight you dip and have your chance like all men. May luck send you a rosy bride and save you from a arp. A arp? Arhap? Arhap? I'm going to go with arhap. I now I remember. Aunt told me of this before. Arap is the sovereign with whom you people, your people have a little difference and shares unbidden in the freedom. <sighs> wow. Yep. Struggle. Arap, Arhap is the sovereign with whom your people have a little difference and shares unbidden in the free distribution of brides tonight. The promises... This promises to be interesting. Depend on it, I will come. If you will keep me a place where I can hear the speeches and not forget me when the turtle soup goes around. Oh, turtle. I shall be more than grateful. Now to another matter. I want to get a few minutes with your president, Prince Hath. He concentrates the fluid intelligence of the sphere, I am told. Where can I find him? He is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't gotten to this part in my previous tries. So yeah, he's just drinking in the library. Good old day drinking Martians. He's drunk in the library, sir. My word, it is early in the day for that. And a singular conjunction of place and circumstance. Where, said the girl, could he safer be? We can always fetch him if we want him. And sunk in blue oblivion. Oblivion. He will not come to harm. You know, listen, that is, that is a protection detail. I mean, yeah, no one can harm you if you're drunk and hiding in a library. Sounds about right. A cheerful view, miss, which is worthy of the attention of our reformers. Nevertheless, I will go to him. I have known men to tell more truth in that state than in any other. The servitor directed me to the library, 
and after desolate wanderings up and after desolate wanderings up crumbling steps and down moldering moldering corridors sunny and lovely in decay I came to the immense lumber shed of knowledge that wow what is going on I know I said tragic reader but this is a lot (sighs) their servitor directed me to the library and after desolate wanderings up crumbling steps and down moldering corridors Sunny and lovely in decay, I came to the immense lumber shed of knowledge they had told me of. A city of dead books. Wow. A place of dusty cathedral aisles stored with forgotten learning. At a table sat half the purposeless enthroned. Purposelessness. What? At a table sat half the purposeless enthroned in leather and vellum. <laughs> All right, storing in divine content amongst all that wasted labor, and nothing I could do was sufficient to shake him into some semblance of intelligence. All right, talking bad shit. So perforce I turned away till he should have come to himself, and wandering round the splendid litter of a noble library, presently amongst the ruck of volumes on the floor, Amongst those lordy, lordly tombs in tattered green and gold and ivory, my eye lit upon a volume propped up curiously on the end, on end, propped up. My eye lit upon a volume propped up curiously on end. And going to it through the confusion, I saw by the dried fruit rind upon the stick supporting it that the grave and reverend tomb was set to catch a mouse. Okay, all right, I, I, I gotta agree with Gulliver here. Like what? It was a splendid book when I looked more closely, bound as a king might bind the choicest treasure. The sweet-scented leather on it was no doubt frayed. The golden arbuques upon the cover had long since shed their eyes of inset gems. The jeweled clasp locking its learning up from vulgar... What is the matter with me? The jeweled clasp locking its learning up from vulgar gaze was bent and open. Yet it was a lordly tomb and an odor of sanctity about it. And lifting it with difficulty, I noticed its cover a red stain of mouse's blood. Those who put it to this quaint use of mouse trap had already had some sport. But surely never was a mouse crushed before under so much learning. And while I stood guessing at what the book might hold within, Heru, the princess, came tripping into me. And with the abrupt familiarity of her kind laid a velvet hand upon my wrist, conned the title over to herself. What does it say, sweet girl? I asked. The matter is learned by its feel, and that maid, pursing up her pretty lips, read the title to me. The Secret of the Gods. The Secret of the Gods, I murmured. Was it possible other worlds had struggled hopelessly to come within the barest kin of that great knowledge, 
while here the same was set to catch a mouse with. I said, silver-footed, sit down and read me a passage or two. Silver-footed? And propping the mighty volume upon a table, drew a bench before it and pulled her down beside me. Oh, a horrid, dry old book for certain, cried that lady, her pink fingertips falling as lightly on the musty leaves as almost as almond petals on March dust. Where shall I begin? It's all equally dull. Dip in, was my answer. Tis no great matter where, but near the beginning. What says the writer of his intention? What sets he out to prove? He says that it is the secret of the first, first great truth. Descend it straight to him. Many have said so much, yet have lied. He says that which is written in his book is through him, but not of him. Past criticism and beyond cavil. Tis all an ancient and crabbed characters going back to the threshold of my learning. But here upon this passage top, where they are writ large, I make them out to say, only the man who has died many times begins to live. A pregnant passage. Turn another page and try again. I have an inkling of the book already. Tis poor silly stuff, said the girl, slipping a hand covertly into my own. Why will you make me read it? I have a book of, wow, potamums worth twice as much as this. Nevertheless, dip in again, dear lady. What says the next heading? And with a little sigh at the heaviness of her task, Harry wrote out, Sometimes the gods themselves forget the answers to their own riddles. Lady, I knew it! All this is still preliminary to the great matter of the book, but the mutterings of the priest who draws back the curtains of the shrine in here after the scribe has left these two yellow pages blank as though to set a space for reverence between himself and what comes next. Here speaks the truth, the voice, the fact of all life. But, oh, Jones, she said, turning from the dusty pages and clasping her young milk-warm hands over mine and leaning towards me until her blushing cheek was near to my shoulder and the incense of her breath upon me. Oh, Gulliver Jones, she said, make me read no more. My soul revolts from the task. The crazy brown letters swim before my eyes. Is there no learning near at hand that would be pleasanter reading than this silly book of yours? What, after all, she said, growing bolder at the sound of her own voice, what, after all, is the musty retinence of God to the whispered secret of a maid? Jones, splendid stranger from whom all men stand aside and women look over shoulders. Oh, let me be your book, she whispered. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I don't know, it just, mm, all right, well. She whispered, slipping onto my knee and winding her arms around my neck till through the white glimmer of her single vest, I could feel her heart beating against mine. Newest and dearest of friends, put by this dreary learning and look into my eyes. There is nothing to be spelt out there. I thought something else was going to happen. And I was constrained to do as she bid me. For she was as fresh as an almond blossom touched by the sun, and looking down into the swimming blue lakes where shyness and passion were contending, books easy enough in truth to be read, I saw that she loved me, with the unconventional ardor of her nature. What? Okay. It was a pleasant discovery. If its abruptness was embarrassing, for she was a maid in a thousand, and half ashamed and half laughing, I let her escalate me, throwing now and then a rueful look at the secret of the gods, and 
all that priceless knowledge treated so unworthily. What else could I do? Besides, I loved her myself. And if there was a momentary chagrin at having yonder golden knowledge put off by this lovely interruption, yet I was flesh and blood, the gods could wait. They had to wait long and often before, and when their sweet interrupter was comforted, she would have another try. So what happened, I took her into my heart and gave her the answer she asked for. For a long time, we sat in the dusky grandeur of the Royal Library, my mind revolving between wonder and admiration of the neglected knowledge all about, and the stirrings of a new love, while Heru herself lapsed again into Martian calm, Martian calm, lay half sleeping on my shoulder, but presently unwinding her arms, I put her down. There, sweetheart, I whispered, enough of this for the moment, tonight perhaps, some more. But while we are here amongst all this lordly litter, I can think of a nothing else. Again, I bid her turn the pages, nothing as she did so how each chapter was headed by the colored configuration of a world. Page by page we turned of crackling parchment until by chance at the top of one, my eye caught a colored round. I could not fail to recognize. T'was the spinning button on the blue breast of the immeasurable that yesterday I inhabited. Read here, I cried, clapping my fingers upon the page. Midway down, there were some signs looking like Egyptian writing. Says this quaint dabbler in all my knowledge, anything of Isis, anything of Fra, of Amon, of Amontop. And who is Isis? Who Amontop? asked the lady. Nay, read, I answered, and down the page her slender fingers went a-wandering. Till a spot of knotted signs they stopped. Why? Here is something about thy Isis, exclaimed Haru, as though amused by my per- perscuity. <laughs> Here, halfway down this chapter of Earth history, it says, and putting one pink knee across the other to better prop the book, she read, and the priests of Thebes were gone. The sand stood untrampled on the temple steps a thousand years. The wild bees sang the song of desolation in the ears of Isis. The wild cats littered in the stony lap of Amon. I, another thousand years went by, and earth was tilled of unseen hands and sown with yellow grain from paradise. And the thin veil that separates the known from the unknown was rent, and men walked to and fro. Go on, I said. Nay, laughed the other. The little mice in their eagerness have been before you. See, all this corner is not away. Read on again, I said, where the page is whole. Those sips of knowledge you have given me makes me thirsty for more. <laughs> there began where this blazonry of initiated red and gold looks so like the carpet spread by the scribe for the feet of the sovereign truth. What says he here? And she, half pouting to be set back once more to that task, half wondering as she gazed on those magic letters, let her eyes run down the page, then began. And it was the beginning. And in the centric void presently there came a nucleus of light, and the light brightened in the gray primeval morning and became definite and articulate. And from the midst of that natal splendor, behind which was the unknowable, the life came hitherward. From the midst of that nucleus, undescribed, undescribable, there issued presently the primeval sigh that breathed the breath of life into all things. And that sigh thrilled through the empty spaces of the illimitable. It breathed the breath of promise over the frozen hills off the outside planets where the night frost had lasted without beginning. 
and the waters of 10,000 nameless oceans, girding nameless planets, were stirred trembling in the, into their depth. It crossed the illimitable space where the herding aerolites swirl forever through space in the wake of careening world, and all their whistling wings answered to it. It reverberated through the gray waste of vex- waste of vacuity and crossed the dark oceans of the outside, even to the black shores of the eternal night beyond. And hardly had echo of that breath died away in the hollow of the heavens and the empty wombs of a million barren worlds when the light brightened again and drawing in upon itself became definite and, and took form and therefore at the moment of primitive conception there came. And just then, as she had read so far as that, when all my faculties were aching to know what came next, whether this were but the idle scribbling of a vacious fool or something else, there rose the sound of soft flutes and tinkling bells in the corridors, and Cindeshell's wonder wandered piping round the palace to call folks to meals. A smell of roast meat and grilling fish as that procession lifted the curtains between the halls, and dinner shouted my sweet Martian, slapping the covers of the secret of the gods together and pushing the stately tomb headlong from the table. Damn, she was like, nope, time to eat. Mm. Dinner! Tis worth a hundred thousand planets to be hungry. To the hungry. Nothing I could say would keep her, and scarcely knowing whether to laugh or to be angry at so unseemly an interruption, but both being purposeless, I dug my hands into my pockets, and somewhat sulkily refusing Haru's invitation to luncheon in the corridor. Navy rations had not fitted my stomach for these constant debauches of gossamer food. Strolled into the town again, in no very pleasant frame of mind. Wait, so that was the end of the chapter, but um, so it was half just like in the library sleep the whole time. He's just in the library sleeping. I mean, listen, libraries are great places to read, but they're also excellent places to sleep. So there is that, I don't blame him. But I was kind of hoping he would like wake up and be like, I don't know. I want a confrontation because <sighs> Gulliver just, I really just don't like him. I want to like him, but I just, I don't like him. And I want on back and I'm kind of upset. So yeah, that was chapter six. All right. So as I said, that was chapter six of Gulliver of Mars. And it was probably the most struggle read that I've had. I don't know what, Whew, that was a bit rough. I don't know what was uh, going on there with that, but uh, hopefully it was somewhat coherent because, I mean, I know what happened in the story and I'll try to redo that. And so I'm pretty sure my recap of chapter five included some of what was in chapter six because I read a little bit of it last time I recorded. So that happened. But yeah, I'm going to refrain from reading any of chapter seven so I can do a proper recap that includes nothing new, I guess. I don't know. But uh, yeah, hopefully next time won't be as much of a struggle. And see you next time.